The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. Morning. So glad that you're here. My name is Alan. Uh, to, uh, in 2009, there was a word that was introduced officially into the English language, a new word among many uh, that was introduced into the English language, and it is this word, unfriend. <laughs> to remove someone from a list of friends or contacts on a social networking site. Now, that's the official definition. This is the Urban Dictionary definition. A coward's way of conflict management in the world of social networking. This is a new friend. Uh, this is a new word in the English language. To no longer befriend, but to unfriend. Social networking has had a significant impact on how we do relationships, how we interact with one another. Eminem has uh, currently over 60, 60 million friends. 60 million. Michael Jackson currently has over 51 million friends and growing by thousands per week. Think about that. I've always, I've always considered the baseline for being a good friend is breathing. I've always assumed that you had to be alive for that, but he's continuing to develop uh, uh, friendships. So this morning we're talking about what it means for Jesus to be a friend. What does that look like? What kind of a friend is Jesus? Is Jesus like Michael Jackson, where he's dead, he died a while ago, but people are still fans, and so we like Jesus, and so uh, thousands continue to get added to to Jesus' followers uh, as the centuries move on. Is, is that what it's like? Is that, how, is that what, what it looks like? Uh, how special am I if I am one of a trillion of Jesus' friends? I don't know how many he would have, have had over the past 2,000 years, but how special or unique can I be in my relationship with him? Last week, we launched into a new section called Definition, and we're looking at uh, the idea is basically having a, a DTR talk, a define the relationship talk with Jesus and saying, okay, what is this relationship all about? We've been talking about it all year, and what, what, what is the definition of this relationship? The DTR talk is significant in dating relationships often because we want clarity on that so that we can update our Facebook status with clarity because that's the place where we say to the world, this is who I am. That's where we present ourselves to the world. Boom. Now, through this definition, this is who I am. Perhaps there's a need for some of us to have a DTR talk with God and maybe upstate, uh, up, uh, uh, what, up, what do you think, what do you do with your status? You up? Update. You update your status. See, we need friends to help each other out. Uh, is to update our status in terms of who Jesus is in our life because that is what we present to the whole world to say, this is who I am. We're going to talk about Jesus as friend. Would you bow your heads with me? Got to thank you that um, 
you want to have a relationship with us. And the concept of friend is going to be so different for different folks here in this room. And I know some are going to engage this in terms of uh, uh, friendships here on, on this earth and how you want to speak into that. Some are going to connect with you in a deeper way. God, that's the beauty of your presence here in this room. Would you have your way? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, when I launched into the definition piece, I looked at Romans 10.10, where Paul uh, says that we are to confess Jesus is Lord. And so it's the definition of Jesus as as Lord. Who is Lord? Uh, How is Jesus Lord in our lives? And and that uh, calling Jesus Lord is the transition from Jesus being someone that we're interested in He has something to offer. He certainly has a way of life that we could learn from. It's a transition from Jesus being something, someone we're interested in, to receiving Jesus, to giving Jesus authority in our lives and saying, no, he's not just someone I'm interested in. He is Lord. So Jesus is Lord. Is it possible for Jesus to also be friend? Can those two things coexist? Can Jesus be Lord and friend? I want to take a look at a verse in John chapter 15 to get us started. If you brought your Bibles or want to open up your smartphone to John chapter 15, feel free to go ahead and do that. Jesus here is talking to his closest friends, his most intimate friends, his 12, the 12 disciples. And he is redefining the relationship with them. He is making sure it's clear. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me, in other words, if you stay connected with me, you will bear fruit. And then he says this in verse 15. John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls them friends. Is it possible for Jesus to be both Lord and friend? You ever had a a boss who was also your friend? Have you ever been a boss and had someone that you considered to be a friend uh, reporting to you? How does that work? How has that worked out for you? That can be some tricky relationships. The traditional uh, wisdom uh, has said that that's not a wise thing to do. Now, we're, uh, people are starting to question that and starting to say, you know, that might be a healthy work relationship. Well, Jesus, thousands of years ago, was saying, yeah, I think that can work out, and I'm going to show you how to do it. He says that a servant doesn't know the, the master's business. A servant is told, do this. A servant is not given the overall plan. A servant is not given reasons. A servant is just told to do it, blindly go. But if you are, uh, if you are uh, the boss of somebody, maybe it's an employee or if it's a child or whatever the situation is where you are the boss of somebody, it's very okay for that person to ask why. We ask them to do something. It's very okay to respectfully say, Uh, Could I get some understanding as to why we're doing this? And it is very honoring to answer that question, to let them know why. That's a healthy way of doing this. Jesus says, you're not a servant. I call you friend. That Jesus doesn't lord over them. He doesn't lord over us and say, just says, do what I tell you or else. 
He doesn't work that way. He has given us a mind. He's given us a brain, the opportunity to think through what we're being asked to do, to ask the questions. We have what we call our seven sonawits, which is a discipleship grid. It's basically for those who are saying, I choose to follow Jesus, so now what? How does this look? How does this work? And the seven sonawits are letters A through G, and letter A is ask questions. It's just a fundamental, essential place for us to engage in our faith is to ask questions and not just assume that everyone else knows and we're the only ones in the room who don't know. And then we feel, uh, we feel foolish. Go ahead and ask the questions because people around us have the same question as well, or they at one point did. Go ahead and ask the questions. Lean into it. It's a tricky relationship sometime when boss is friend. My wife and I celebrated our 15th anniversary this week, and we, uh, we enjoy Well, thank you. We enjoy this week just thinking about how thankful we are that, uh, that God uh, provided us with one another. We're, we're a very good match, and we're very thankful for that. Every year on our, on our anniversary, we watch our wedding video. Now, I know that sounds like torture, <laughs> but it's really not. It's a 50-minute uh, uh, edited video. I used to do video editing, so I, 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 repack, I package this thing down to 50 minutes, and, and I know that's long, but it's really, it's really quite fun. This year was the first year that we got to watch it with our kids. Uh, we've watched it with the kids before, but there's not a lot of cartoons, and so they kind of drift off. But now they're old enough. They really were engaged for the whole time. We had a great, we had a great time. We enjoy watching our wedding video together. There's one moment where my boss at the time, his name is Hans Brua. How would you like to have a boss named Hans Brua? He's bald head and super, super good guy. And when the camera goes around at the reception and annoys everybody at their, at their tables and tries to catch everybody, which I'm so thankful for, but I know is incredibly annoying when you're the one at the table. I get that. But the camera went around and did that. And when it was on Hans Brewer, he looked at the camera. He said, Alan, would you please stop introducing me as your boss? I'm your friend, okay? And then everybody at the table laughs because <laughs> they're all nervous because the camera's right on them and the whole thing. I appreciate his sentiment and I, and I had a really good relationship with Hans. Great guy and I do uh, consider that we, we certainly had a friendship. He can call me friend, but my job is to call him boss. He calls me friend, I call him Boss. My, uh, in this story, one of the disciples is Peter. He's one of the 12. He's perhaps the strongest of the 12. He becomes the rock. He's the leader of the church as, as it moves forward as one of the 12. He's one of the ones to whom Jesus said, I have called you friend. He writes two letters later on in the New Testament, and he introduces both of them by identifying himself as Peter, an apostle and servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we call him Lord. He calls us friend. We humble ourselves before him. He lifts us up. Let's let's be real clear about, about where the friendship piece lands in our relationship with Jesus, that we can be too casual about it and just kind of bring him down. Yeah, buddy, high five. We call him Lord. He calls us friend. So the question is, if there's a friendship there, what kind of friend is he? And when I look at my life, I kind of 
package it as three different kinds of friends. I basically have three different kinds of friends. You may have different categories, but my three are the following. One kind of friend that I have, type of friend that I have, are friends that I trust. These are the ones that I have history with, we have had experiences, and so we've come to this place where there is trust with one another. This kind of trust doesn't just happen right off the bat. This is the kind of trust where uh, people know the good stuff about me as well as the bad stuff. This is the, tr- the kind of trust, obviously, that I have with my wife. This is the kind of trust where people can challenge me and speak into parts of my life, and I can do the same with them. This is the kind of relationship that requires time. It has to be built over time. Henry Cloud, uh, who is a writer and psychologist and, and uh, um, a speaker, he refers to these kind of people as safe people. In a book by that title, he says that so often we choose to trust people that are not safe. And what happens is we either, we either engage too quickly or we engage for the wrong reasons, reasons that will uh, increase our social status, or we, um, we, we don't engage our minds in, a, in, in the process, and we engage with people who can be damaging to us. And some of us get in a trend where we do it over and over and over again without identifying who are safe people in our lives. He says that we are wise to test relationships and not just find somebody who just seems like the perfect friend and we're so longing for a friend, and then we just, boom, dump the whole thing in front of them. But we test with a little bit, and we see how that goes, and then we test with a little bit more. It takes time to develop who are the people who are safe people in our lives. Who are the people that we can trust? They are the most precious and valuable of friends. A second category of of friend that I find in my life, and again, this is just me, but I uh, package it as uh, friends who cuss. Now let me just explain. (laughs) Let me just explain what I mean by that. I did a wedding uh, this last Saturday, and the grandma of the groom uh, was, was introduced to me. Sweet little lady. She was about 80 pounds, uh, oversized sunglasses that she was wearing, so I couldn't actually see her eyes. But uh, she was introduced to me. The bride said, Nana, this is the minister. And the first thing she said was, oh, crap, I've been cussing like a sailor in here. Nice to meet you. And she did this thing. It's in my line of work, it's the first thought so many people have when they meet a minister. What have I said? What have I said? What came out of my mouth? What, what words have come out of my mouth? You know what? It's okay to cuss in front of a minister. It's, it's not any worse to cuss in front of a minister than it is to cuss in front of somebody else. What, what's the difference? And I found out later that her cussing was when she said darn once or whatever her, 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 her thing was. I like when people are real with me. I like, I, I don't want people to cuss extra when they're around me. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I like it when people talk normal, when people act normal, when there's authenticity. That's an important friend for me. You know, so often the, the friends that I laugh the most with are people who cuss. <laughs> Not people like you, just kidding. Uh, Sometimes I just love those experiences because they say things that so often we have filters for that that don't allow us to say, and I love the authenticity of that. Now, that being said, I know there are children in the room. Cussing is bad. (laughs) 
Cussing is very bad. If there's a child in the room, you go ahead and ask your parent later and say, well, what did he mean by that, the whole cussing thing? Well, they'll explain very clear to you what I meant. And so to the, to the, to the children, cussing is bad. To the parents, you're welcome. <laughs> My. It's my pleasure. Okay, the third category of friend uh, that I typically find in my life is this is not uh, interesting or creative at all, but it's just other. And what I mean by other are people that I tend to spend a fair amount of time with because they're people that I do, I do life with for whatever reason. They're people that I work with, people that uh, you might go to church with, you might work out with, people that you interact with on a regular basis, but it's a different category. And for me, it's a different category in that if I or they moved, that relationship is very unlikely to continue. Okay, so that means they're not in one of the other categories. These are perhaps people that we spend the most time with. And they're friends, it's a great acquaintance and all this well there, but these are not the, the depth of relationship where you could, would expect that if one of you moved, the thing is going to, con- to, to continue on. So let me ask again, what kind of friend is Jesus? I want to take a look at a story in John. We're still in the book of John. John chapter 21. Last week, we looked at John chapter 20, and both of these stories come after his resurrection. And these stories uh, uh, come at a time where Jesus is, is redefining his relationship with these guys. He's been working with them for three years, but now there's some, some redefinition that's happening in their relationship because of what he did on the cross. Here in the story, uh, we find seven of the 12 disciples fishing. And this is a very understandable thing that they would be doing. Uh, remember that they've been on a roller coaster of a week. The last couple of weeks have been incredible for them. At this point, they don't even know where Jesus is. They're not even sure where he is. They've just been, they were so sad that he died and then they're elated that he came back. Now they don't even know where he is. So they go and do what they know how to do. They go fishing. But they're having a bad day. They're not fishing. They're not catching anything. Uh, Chapter 21, verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends. Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the writer of this, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. There's so many great things here in this story. First of all, Jesus has just resurrected from the dead. He has done the most, the greatest triumph in the history of humankind. He conquered death. And as a result, he has paved the way for every person to have the possibility of having restored relationship with God. That's the whole purpose of, of what we're here and what our whole plan is for life is to have a restored relationship with God. And Jesus has just allowed that to happen. Do you think he's excited? Do you think he's excited? Yes. And he stands on the beach and says, you guys catch anything? What kind of a God would do that? What kind of a God would stand there and just have this relational 
comfortable, natural experience and just say, hey, friends, you guys catch anything? It's just so great. I believe he's having a little bit of fun with them. You might be familiar with this story because it, it occurs here and it also occurs at the beginning of the Gospels. You might remember, this is how Jesus met some of these disciples. Almost an identical story. Earlier on, he, he meets some of these guys and, and they can't catch anything. He says, put the net a little bit further out. And they do and they catch so many fish that they can't even hold them all in. He says, I will turn you into fishers of men. Come, follow me. This is an inside joke. This, is, this isn't inside joke. And inside jokes are one of the greatest things about having long-term friendships. It's one of the greatest things because you can get together and you don't just have to have fun in that moment. You can at times reflect on fun you've had in the past. You ever gotten together with, a, with, your, with your girlfriends or with some, with some friends that you've known for a, a while and all it takes is for someone to say one word or make one sound or say one location and everyone just starts laughing that is a beautiful, beautiful scene. That is such a great image of the depth of history with friendships. This year for my birthday, just a couple months ago, uh, my wife uh, and I figured out, she, she said it'd be okay for me to go up for a couple days to Spokane just for the sake of hanging out with my high school buddy, uh, Daryl. I just went up and we just hung out and we acted like 17-year-olds for, for, for a few days. It was so great. We would get together and we would just laugh. All, all, one time it just took one of us to say, X-lax. Woo! We are laughing. That is a story for another time. We are laughing and laughing. They're, his teenage boys are just saying, what? What about what happened? What happened? And we can't tell them because we got tears in our eyes. It's just a great story. There's this, this depth of, 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 of having history with somebody. Just this week, I was talking with a friend here at our church, and I was explaining to him on the, on the phone that my, the, the, the stereo in my car is broken, and it has been for probably almost two years. And what, what's wrong with it, it, it takes these things called CDs. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them or remember them, but these round discs. And, and it's, it's a multi-CD deal, and the CD switcher doesn't work. So it's got uh, two CDs in there that I can't get out, and I can't get anything new in there. So he asks a very important question. What are the two CDs? I mean, that's a super important, because they play, the two CDs play. But all, I mean, if they're the Wiggles, you're dead. I mean, you're just dead. <laughs> just shoot yourself right there. And it wasn't, fortunately. One of the CDs was a compilation, an 80s compilation that I made, has 17 of my favorite songs from the 80s. And, and so every once in a while, I can go through that CD and I have no problem. The other CD in there is the greatest hits of Def Leppard, <laughs> which, must have been my wife who was listening to that because there's no way I would listen to that. But uh, so the, my friend on the phone, he makes a great observation. He says, well, it sounds like you're stuck in the 80s. <laughs> oh. Now, if there's any decade they want to be stuck in musically, it's going to be the 80s. But he makes a good point. Uh, I have plenty of memories from the 80s. I loved high school. I loved that whole, the, I have plenty of memories and inside jokes and stories and hey, we can just say one word and we can start laughing. But was I investing in relationships and in memories and stories as well in the 90s? And what about now? Life is happening now. Life is happening 
Now, in what ways are we creating history with the people we're doing life with? In what ways are we setting ourselves up so that in 10 years we can just say a word and we can enjoy and laugh and think about life that is happening right now? That is such a significant part of of friendships is having history with one another. We pour into this. Jesus has history with these guys, with his 12. As a result, Peter, he learns that it's Jesus. And as soon as he does, he's thrashing in the water. (laughs) He doesn't wait for the net to be pulled in. He doesn't wait for the boat to be turned around, for the boat to make it about a, a mile away from shore, for the boat to make it back in. He jumps in the water before he even thinks about it. How many of you would do that if your boss was on shore? No, that's when you're out there and you pretend the motor's broken. (laughs) Sorry, I'm stuck. There's got to be a relationship other than just a boss lording over that would allow Peter to dive in. And so it makes us ask the question, what is our relationship with Jesus? Would we have a reaction to Jesus that makes us dive in the water? Is there any connection that we have ever had that would make, us, that would make me want to dive in the water after Jesus? It's a beautiful picture of Peter thrashing in the water before he has, even has time to think about it. Let me continue the story. Verse 8. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore. About 100 yards, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I never saw this part in the story before, that Jesus is on the shore He's got coals burning, ready. He's got fish on the coals. He's got bread ready. He wants to hang out with these guys. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, this this greatest triumph in the history of humankind, he doesn't go to the temple. He doesn't go and gather and have a formal spiritual experience with his followers. He goes to the beach and has breakfast with them. For those of you who are readers of the New Testament, you may have noticed that most of the, re- of the experiences that Jesus has with people, whether he's healing or he's, he's forgiving or he's talking or instructing, they happen outside of the church. They happen as people are just doing life, just walking around doing life. Jesus is not limited to times where we gather on Sunday morning. He's not limited to times where we do our prayer groups and where we do D groups and where we go on mission trips and say, Jesus, I want you to be here with me in this part right now. Those things are fantastic. They're awesome. They're ways to supercharge our spiritual growth and journey, and and it's a way of being intentional. It's great. But Jesus is not limited to any of those things. He wants to hang out with us on a regular basis. Two weeks ago, I invited you to join us on the Mountain Park Bible reading plan. The the idea there is that we would start now and read cover to cover through the end of 2013. 
And I've heard from a number of you who just said, that was, that's so helpful that you've been kind of wanting to do something like that and then this kind of nudged you towards that. So you jumped in. Here we're two weeks in and I know that some of you have stopped already. <laughs> and I'm behind, I'm just saying. Let me just tell you, if, if you are behind or if you haven't heard about it, you're new, you just, you just want to jump, jump in. We are, believe, on uh, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 37, I think, or 38. And uh, if you want to jump in, go ahead and jump in and don't try to catch up because you'll get, you'll get frustrated because it's hard to catch up on stuff like this. So just jump in on chapter 38. You probably are familiar with the stuff in front. It's creation, and it's Noah, and it's Abraham and Isaac. You probably know that stuff anyway. You've probably read that section 10 times because of all the other times where you said, I'm going to read the Bible, Bible cover to cover, and you only got to Genesis 37. So don't worry about that. Jump in on Genesis 38, and we'll, kind of, we'll do this journey together. There's a woman in our in our church who started reading that in Genesis, first few chapters of Genesis are, are head spinners. I mean, there's so much in there. And maybe later you can go back and read that. But right now, you jump into Genesis 38. But, but the beginning of Genesis is, is just so great. It just stirred so much in this woman who's a friend of my wife's. She said, I'm gonna ga- I gotta gather some people at my house. And just for the sake of reading this, we're gonna get together, we're just gonna talk about it. I love it. That is being intentional, saying, saying I don't want to just coast in my relationship. Here's something that happens. I'm going to be uh, intentional about making something happen here. And they, they've had a great time getting together. It's about being intentional in terms of hanging out. Jesus wants to hang out with you. Do we make efforts intentionally to hang out with him? He wants to hang out with people he calls friends. This story has the detail. It says that there were how many fish? 153. There's 153 fish. Now, just imagine how that might have happened to, to get that data. These are fishermen. They've got to know how many fish are there. They've got to know how to distribute the fish. Uh, one person's got to leave early. They've got to know how many fish that person's going to take. They've got to know how many fish there are. Do you think with Jesus on the shore and them pulling the fish in because of what Jesus did and said, put the fish on the other side, do you think they would have gotten to the shore and said, hang on, Jesus, one, two, three, and lugging these big fish that says they're large fish. Think you would have done that? Maybe they would have said, Jesus, we want to eat, but we got to know how many fish there are here. Maybe Jesus looked up at him with bread in his mouth and said, 153. And they looked at each other and went, it's Jesus. <laughs> We're good. We, we got that covered. Why does it say 153? Some are going to uh, talk about theological reasons, the significance of the one and the five and the three and, and, and all this. And maybe it just says 153 because that's what happened. This isn't a legend. It says, and thou shalt bring in, bringeth in lots and lots of fish. Uh, too many for us to count because we're moving on to the more important part of the story. No, there's 153 fish. I love the details in there. It gives to me more credibility to say, this is what happened. That was that day, and we caught 153 fish, and Jesus was there on the shore with breakfast ready for us. This really happened. Jesus is a kind of Lord and Master, Savior, Teacher, Rabbi, who wants to hang out with his followers. He wants to do that. That's the kind of Lord that he is. 
So let me ask one more time. What kind of friend is Jesus? I don't think he's a friend that cusses. There's no evidence that he did that in Scripture. Although, he uh, was very authentic. He was surprisingly authentic. And he didn't filter his words because he didn't want to offend people. But I wouldn't say that's the kind of friend he is. And certainly, he does not want to fit into the other category. That's not what, what he's interested in. Although, sometimes we connect with Jesus through somebody else. And so it may be that you've got a Jesus freak girlfriend or boyfriend, and it's because of that relationship that you're interested in Jesus. But when that relationship breaks off and you move or she moves or whatever, there's a change, then you're no longer, then Jesus is not that important to you anymore. That, then that would fit into the other category. Or maybe when you move, you go somewhere and they don't have a church like the one that you like. Some people connect more with their church than they do with the head of that church. Some people connect more with the church than they do with Jesus himself. And we find that if we move and we realize, yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't find another church, so uh, Jesus no longer uh, means that much to me. So that would fit into the other category. I think Jesus wants to fit in the third category that I mentioned, that is the friend that we can trust. Jesus is a friend that we can trust. And we see in this story that he wants to have history with us. He wants us to uh, have experiences and memories and encounters with him that we can remember, that we can build on, that we can remember he has been faithful. He was faithful way back six years ago when this happened. He was faithful uh, 20 years ago when that happened. He was faithful six months ago when this happened. He is a safe person. He's someone I can trust. We also see from this story that Jesus is a friend we can trust who wants to hang out with us. And when you hang out with somebody and and you trust them, then you can share your, your deep stuff. You can talk about the stuff that we typically don't talk to one another about. And Jesus can can be a part of that role for you, that you've got things inside of you that maybe you have pretended for a long time aren't there. There are stories, there are wounds, there are hurts that, that are so buried down. And Jesus says, you can trust me. Pull that stuff out. We don't even want Jesus to know about that stuff. But of course he does. But we can bring that out. We can come to a cross and we can nail on there and say, I no longer want to carry this with me. Jesus, I trust you with this. He wants to relieve us of some of the weight that we're carrying around. He wants to say, you can trust me. I am a friend that you can trust. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Yes, Jesus is Lord. But he says to his followers, he says, I no longer call you servants. I have called you friends. We call him Lord. He calls us friend. He is a friend we can trust. I'm going to give you a few moments here. Man's going to come up and do a couple songs. Give you an opportunity to just kind of reflect on, on, G, on that relationship with Jesus. Jesus as friend. Maybe it is time for you to come to the cross and release something to him. Trust him with something. You can come uh, for unassisted prayer here at the front. Just spend some time with him. There are a number of different options here in the room. They're listed in your program. You could perhaps just stay where you are and just with the page in front of you, just kind of reflect on 
What history have I had with Jesus? What kind of inside jokes, it doesn't have to, be, have to be a joke, inside story that I can build on from my past that have I had with, with Jesus? You can just reflect on Jesus as your friend over these next few moments. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are a relational God. Once again, that you did not set this up just to save everybody. but You set this up to have relationship with us. God, that you honor us and love us enough to call us friend. And I pray now in whatever way that you want to stir up uh, things that we need to trust you with here today, that you would allow us to do that. That we would draw closer to you here today. That we would see you on the shore and we would jump in. We would jump in and thrash in the water to say, yeah, there's a whole lot going on here. This fish is very exciting. I want Jesus. We want to meet with you here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.